iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. These are definitely for a clothing company, right? So why isn't anybody wearing a shirt? <laughs> Who are you talking to? I'm chatting, Dad. My friend Charlie from California. He's a junior and plays volleyball for his high school. He's smart and really funny. He's encouraging, he's sweet, and he thinks I'm beautiful. Hi, Charlie. Sitting on a bench just outside. Any? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator from the Film Society of Lincoln Center, Eugene Hernandez, and tonight's guests, David Schwimmer and Liana Liberato. Hi. Hey. Hi. Hey. Thanks for being here today. Um, thank you to those in the audience as well as those listening on the iTunes podcast. This event is being podcast for those everywhere around the world. Um, it's interesting because um, the trailer hints a bit at what is going on. I don't know how much we want to give away, so I'll just kind of hold back a little bit and let you kind of take the lead. But um, it's safe to say that the film really looks at some of the... Um, sort of challenges that face a young woman as she's not only growing up, uh, and, and Liana plays the, the, the lead actress, um, not only growing up, but really trying to sort of grapple with how you sort of connect with people today. Um, I'm wondering, David, first of all, like what was it about the, the script itself? that It's a very relevant and timely and topical story. What was it that struck you about it when you first read it? Well, um, I actually developed the script um, f the last seven years, and it came out of the work um, uh, from my involvement with this organization in Santa Monica, California, called the Rape Foundation. And I have met uh, just countless child victims of sexual assault and rape, and a lot of internet grooming victims, and uh, befriended some guys in the FBI that work there, and um, also the counselors that help the victims and their families. and. Um, I was really inspired by uh, these people, these victims, their stories, and their courage uh, in the recovery process. 
And then uh, about seven years ago, there was one father who spoke at one of our fundraising events, and he articulated just so so beautifully, and really, I was really moved by um, his description of the combination of feelings he went through and the whole family went through when his 14-year-old girl had been uh, brutally assaulted, um, and a combination of this kind of uh, helplessness, this impotence that he... He felt this incapacitating rage, uh, grief, obviously, um, and responsibility and guilt. And everything uh, he went through it really almost destroyed his relationship, uh, his marriage, his, his work, um, the relationship with all his kids. And his story really inspired me to make a film through the lens of the father and the daughter. And Clive Owen obviously plays the father and Leanna here. Uh, who had just turned 14 when we started filming, uh, played, played Annie, the, the lead girl. So that's really the, uh, the genesis of it. Mm-hmm. And so Leanna plays a character who um, receives this, this computer, this laptop, and develops this relationship with a guy, and you see it in the, you see it in the trailer, this guy named Charlie. Um, and it's safe to say that the relationship and the, and the person is not what she thinks it is, what she thinks he is. Um, and, and she starts learning more about him. Uh, Liana, what was it about the film that you found most interesting? What drew you to the story? What was it about? Because um, it, it feels very authentic to me, and I'm wondering what, how you sort of react, responded to it. Yeah, I never really knew much about this topic before I got involved, and so this really did open my eyes. And uh, I, I really wanted to do it just because of the people that were involved, and David's been working really hard on this for quite some time now, and so honestly it was a privilege getting to do all of this and be a part of it. Yeah. And, Having Clive and Catherine to work with is awesome. Oh, what an exceptional cast, right? Mm. Um, I'm also thinking about there's it, what I found really interesting off the bat. Um, so Liana's character receives this computer and immediately starts um, uh, chatting with folks online, and and you actually made an interesting stylistic choice, which I thought worked really well, both in the text messages that she's sending and in the instant messages on online that she's sharing, um, actually um, the audience is able to see them on screen. You see that in the trailer a little bit. Tell me about from a filmmaking point of view, the idea of how you, how you came about that concept of sort of sharing that information firsthand with the, with the audience. Right. Well, um, you know, it's, it's really evident. All of us know that um, now there's very little uh, difference between um, the how we live our lives offline and online. It's really for, especially for, you know, a generation of uh, this age group, um, there is no difference. It is one and the same. We are always, we are all plugged in now. And, and, and so I wanted to try to figure out a visual way of representing that uh, without it being, like, too much in the film. You know, I, I tried to, I cut a lot of them out, actually, a lot of the chats and texts out. Um, but to give the idea that even while um, uh, the parents say Clive and Catherine are, are are talking to her under the table, she's texting. You know, she gets a vi- you know her phone vibrates, and she knows that there's a constant dialogue happening, no matter where she is, no matter where she goes, and even in the next room when her parents are going to bed and she's in her bedroom, there's still that, that conversation, the last voice she hears, uh, or the la- you know, whether it's a text message or his actual voice is this guy's voice. And you know, I, uh, my hope is that the film really 
helps to raise the, all the issues of, uh, governing uh, parenting in the age of technology, which is becoming increasingly challenging now that every phone is a computer and it's, it's more and more difficult to kind of control what, where your kids are going online. Um, and there's sexting, there's cyberbullying, there's, you know, there's everything in the movie, but um, my hope is that it just increases the discussion about it. So. It's appropriate that we're sitting here in the Apple Store, where Absolutely every phone is yeah. a computer, and a, and, a, yeah. and a cool one at that. Um, I want to ask um, Liana about that, because um, I'm curious how you and your friends, and, and, and sort of the way that the experience you bring to this as just someone who's, you know, I'm in constant communication with my friends in my office and, and my family, like literally just nonstop throughout the day. Um, and I'm wondering how, how you looked at this, because... For you, a parent may look at this film in one way and sort of find it um, scary, intriguing, challenging, and sort of maybe also like a way to sort of think through some of the issues that, that you're talking about, David. I'm wondering about sort of you and your friends and sort of the experience you brought to this because it's not really unique in a way. It's like just there. It's like it's always been there. Yeah, our our generation seems to be looking at this technology in a very and not casual to make you way. the spokesman for that generation, but it's interesting <laughs> to get that 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 viewpoint. Yeah, we we all just kind of look at technology in a very casual way, and yeah. and I mean, when I read the script, I didn't think much of it because I mean, people What's use iPhones <laughs> and everything. It's yeah. kind of, it's it's no big deal, but it's kind of the whole whole point is to show. Yeah, you can use your technology, but you you've got to be careful with it and know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And and always be cautious. I mean, I have I have friends who have been involved with others on the internet and talk to strangers, and they don't think much of it because it's just it's just there. It's so yeah. normal now. Yeah. yeah. No, it's interesting. I mean, I think tell tell us a bit about your character so that the audience uh, has anybody seen the film yet? It's played at a couple festivals, but probably you haven't seen it. Give us a little snapshot of this character. Tell tell us what she's about and what she's like. And yeah, my character Annie is very normal goes to school she's just kind of trying to find her own place in this world and she's trying to find her group of friends and fit in and she wants a boyfriend and she's just very naive she's not she's just starting to get into that high school vibe and everything and unfortunately she gets caught up in in something much different and because she's so naive and and doesn't know much about uh, how to be intimate with anyone is she she goes down the wrong path mm-hmm. and uh, it, you kind of see that arc as the film goes about how she defends this person because she she loves him and then how it just kind of crashes and burns right in her face not unlike it's not unlike a film um, that came out last year called Catfish which is which is a documentary about about someone who meets someone online and the person they meet is totally different from what they expect. In this case, um, she meets this guy who's, again, not anything like she thinks. Um, and um, let, let's elaborate on that a little bit, because I think for the, the filmmakers in the audience and, and those listening, um, you're talking about the primary sort of job of the director is to, to cast properly, cast well. Um, let's break that down a little bit and tell us about how you thought about, you have some terrific um, actors, some of whom are well-known, some of whom uh, might be lesser known, but everyone is is really um, uh, top-notch in this film. Um, tell us a bit about the casting process and how you sort of not only go about casting, but really how you think about and how you break down a character to figure out what type of person is right for it. Um, yeah, um, I... I I think it's highly unusual at uh, for a director of my level. This is my sophomore effort um, to get 
your, I had my first choice in, in each of my four leads. Um, and I was incredibly, that, that never happens. But um, I thought Clive Owen was the right guy for this, not only because of his, um, his range as an actor, but because he also has that persona in film where mm -hmm. he's the guy that gets the guy. And this film is the antithesis of that. Um, he plays the father. He plays this, this strong but also very vulnerable father. Yes, incredibly. He's very raw and emotional in the film. But yep, yep. Uh, he's also, he's got that persona. So the expectation throughout your experience of the film, hopefully, is that, oh, well, surely he's going to nail this guy. Eventually he's going to get his hands on him and, you know, beat him to death. Um, <laughs> um, and that, that doesn't happen. Um, and I think that's part of the point because that doesn't happen in reality. 99.99% uh, right. of the fathers I interviewed and met right, with right, right. They all have that instinct. They want to kill the person who did this to their family, um, but they just don't. They don't do it. They don't. Mm -hmm. They let the authorities take over. So Clive was luckily he got the script literally the day that he had a computer expert coming to his house mm -hmm. to look at his two daughters' laptops and to give him advice, tech advice about mm -hmm. safety for the internet because he's got two daughters, twelve and fourteen. He got the script the same day. He read it that night. I met, I, then I was in London and met him two days later, and he was in. Um, and that was incredible, and that never happens. And then I handed him a list of my ten, ten top choices for actresses, and Catherine was always my first choice. Yeah. And she's the mom that, I mean, I Catherine know I'd love to have. The mom. She's a great mom. Yeah, and luckily I said, here are the ten I came up with, and I didn't tell him my first choice, but luckily, I, I swear this doesn't happen. He said, well, there's one actress on here I've been dying to work with. We've never worked together, and it was Catherine. Catherine and I also have the same agent, conveniently, so literally I left the hotel with Clive, called my agent, and called Catherine. I said, you know, you got to do this. Clive wants you to do this. And, I, you know, you're my first choice. Two days later, Catherine was in. Uh, you know, within, within one week, we basically had the movie cast, and then it went into production three months later. Uh, it was, wow. uh, it, yeah, it was crazy. Don't um, get used to that, right? But Catherine, no, and then I will not get used to that. But Catherine brings that, you know, you, I'm such a fan, as you all must be, of Catherine Keener, but she just has this incredible strength and heart and... She's so soulful and so grounded. Um, it was really important to me that, you know, this family, that the women in this family are, were strong women. And what Leanna um, also, uh, what she forgot to mention is that her character, Annie, is also an athlete. Mm -hmm. she's, um, she's trying out for the volleyball team and she makes the volleyball team. I wanted this young woman to be strong, smart, kind of together, this family to be a well-adjusted, like, good, you know, present, communicative family. Um, the idea being that if this could happen with this family, then think about mm -hmm. all the other families that, you know, are vulnerable. So we talked about casting uh, Clive and Catherine. Uh, let's talk about casting Liana. And, and I want to ask it from uh, Liana's point of view. What did you think when this... Uh, I'm, I'm sure you'd heard of David. And what did you think about this, you know, this actor turned filmmaker guy from friends like what, what were you thinking when when you heard that he wanted you to be in his movie how did you react to that 
how did I react when when I knew he wanted to be in the movie in my in, in his movie? Um, I was on the playground of my school. <laughs> and, and where where was this? <laughs> uh, this was in California. Okay. And all my friends knew that I was waiting to hear. Uh, and they said, like, after I had done my read with uh, Clive and Catherine, um, they said, oh, give it a week and then we'll hear. I was like, okay. So I just kind of sat around and my friends, it was, it was like all the anticipation and I was freaking out. And then all of a sudden I got this call from my parents and uh, the casting director, Mary Vernieu. And they said, well, you got the part. And I, for, I started screaming. I actually fell on the floor and started crying. <laughs> and, and all my friends went over and, like, picked me up and were freaking out and everything. <laughs> but it was awesome. So tell, us, tell me about, now, taking a step back, tell me about the first meeting and what it, how did you guys, tell me about that, that experience yeah, of reading worked, for the part. And we worked twice before I met with Catherine and Clive. I, I did my first reading with the casting director. And then I got a call saying that David wanted to meet with me. And I went in not knowing who he was, <laughs> and <laughs> and then I saw him, and I was like, oh, it clicked, and uh, <laughs> and um, and we worked on it, and uh, we we had we did a bunch of corrections and fixed some things, and uh, then I met him again, and then we did the chemistry read with Clive and Catherine. It was about a month process, I think, yeah. Well, now I'm going to ask David to talk about you, so don't get too uncomfortable. What, there must have been, what was it? I mean, I'm sure you talked to a lot of people, considered various people, but what was it about, about her? What, why, you know, you spent some time working with her, working with the other um, actors, and it's obviously a, 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 a crucial part of your movie to tell this story right. And let, let's talk about why she was the right person. Yeah, um, uh, as Liana said, Mary Vernu um, uh, was seeing a lot of different actresses, probably saw easily 75 different uh, actresses um, between the ages I'd say of 12 and 18 Um, and uh, I was in New York while Mary was seeing actresses in Los Angeles and every day I'd get a little video link of that day's sessions Mm -hmm. to watch and uh, I saw Leanna's session I just I I just couldn't I, I was stunned I really just thought she was incredible so I immediately told Mary that I want to come to LA and meet with her and um, and I and I I met with her and I was then equally stunned or doubly stunned I don't know what um, to see how well she then took direction, and and I'm not I, you know it's one thing I think you're it's rare to find any actor who's got such um, I think uh, in, intuitive just great instincts and natural talent but then also to find an actor who can take direction equally well is so tough, let alone an actor at age 14. Um, I mean, it was just, it was just uh, stunning. I, I was jealous, you know? <laughs> I, was, I was like, how are you doing this? And then, so we kept working uh, another session, as she said, and then the final thing, I had narrowed it down to three actresses, Leanna being the youngest, and brought each of them in to read with Clive and Catherine and to work, all of us work. And it really became clear that Leanna was uh, their daughter. I mean, the, just you can feel it in the rooms, like something special happened. And, and as you say, the movie really hinges on, on Annie's, you know, Annie, the character of Annie and Leanna's performance. So. so we know about his background. We know it's his second directorial uh, film uh, as film as a director, but let's hear more about your background, Liana. Tell us about where you 
where you got started, what your back, how you got, how you got started in acting. Well, for those my, who may not know you yet. My mom put me in theater when I was three in my hometown of Galveston, Texas. Uh, and were you uh, reluctant at? originally at three or do you remember I mean you probably no, don't remember, actually my mom put me in there so I wouldn't be shy so I'd kind of open oh. up some All right. and I ended up falling in love with it and I had so much fun and I did that till I was seven and then I asked my parents if I could go to Hollywood and uh, <laughs> and they were like oh yeah when you're nine so <laughs> thinking that I would forget um, needless to say I didn't but uh Ironically, my, my uncle, I, or my great uncle, was terminally ill in Los Angeles. And so we flew out there to see how he was doing. And I, I begged my parents to put me in an acting class. And um, there was these agents auditing the class. And they called to pick, a, pick, a, pick me up. And we were like the Beverly Hillbillies. We were like, okay, we're just going to go back to Texas. And he just let us know if we have an audition. Well, um, and then they were like, no, it doesn't work that way. you gotta, you got to stay in an apartment or something like that. So we did that, and uh, things kind of just started rolling. I, I started with some TV shows like Cold Case and CSI Miami and stuff. And then um, Trust was my third film. And, yeah, that was when I was – I've been here for about six, six years now. Let's go back to that moment when you said you, you realized you wanted to go out to the West Coast. You, saw, you thought about Hollywood. Was there, was there, what was it about – was it, were there certain movies? Were there certain stars? Were there, what was it about Hollywood that you first recall sort of tapping into or you were curious about or intrigued you enough to make you want to sort of make that, that case that you, you and your parents should go out there? Well, I guess I just wanted to take it one step further. Right. And I didn't really know how complicated that would be. I just was like, okay, I'm just going to go. And I was nine. But, um, uh, yeah, no, I just... I really admired a lot of people on television and I wanted to I wanted to be like them I, and I loved movies my mom's a huge movie buff and so we we like to watch a lot of movies and uh, I just decided I wanted to do it and I I, I had to choose between playing uh, softball <laughs> or uh, <laughs> or acting and, and I was and I was just ready I was, was like just no, one of acting. your activities softball, yeah acting, <laughs> well, I was like okay Hollywood. either you're doing acting or softball I was like uh, I'll probably do acting <laughs> I'm not an athlete but Even though you play one in the film. Oh, trust me, he <laughs> cut it well. <laughs> so were there certain, um, what, were the, what were some big TV shows for you? What were like the shows that you were like, you don't need to be like high art about it, just like what were the ones that you really were most drawn to or that you were like sort of like, I could do that? Big TV shows, well... Or movies. I liked, uh, I, I grew up watching The Sound of Music and that was one of my favorite movies. And... Um, and there were a lot of kids on that, so I yeah, was like, yeah. oh, I could do that, that'd be, be fun. Kids, and, yeah. and I'd done musicals, and so I was like, oh, I could sing and have fun and everything. But, um, and then, I mean, I watched Disney Channel and Nickelodeon and all that stuff, and I, thought, I, I walked into this business wanting to do something completely different than what I'm doing now. Okay. And so it just kind of, when I got to Los Angeles, I, I kind of changed my mind. I wanted to do dramatic roles rather than... Comedy you thought you wanted like to do sort of lighter, more comedic. Yeah, stuff, I wanted or? to do. Well, I wanted to do kid stuff because that's really all I knew. That's what you saw, yeah. 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 So. And what did your friends think? What did your friends think when you when you made the move, and then when you started finding some success? Were they surprised? How did they respond? Oh, like, my friends and my friends were like, "Where are you going?" Because I because I just disappear from elementary school. <laughs> they had no idea, and and so finally when I kind of started booking things and and 
people would see it in our hometown, they were like, oh, you're on TV now. And they were very supportive, along with my family, which, I mean, I'm, we, I'm, we all miss each other a lot, but um, we see each other frequently, and, and they're very, very supportive. Um, I want to sort of understand a little bit about um, the connection to real stories, because you talked about the research that you did. Um, the arc that these characters go to, again, I was saying earlier, feels very authentic to me. You can sort of, I don't have kids, but I can sort of imagine like how I would feel if I was that dad. Um, or, you know, um, I can imagine how a mom would react. And I'm wondering uh, if that's a, if that, if some of the elements we see in this film and what's happening in this scene, um, how that, how they were shaped by some of the research that you did and, and some of the kinds of things that the parents go through trying to, you know, pe- make sense of this. Yeah. What, um, what became clear after meeting with so many people and talking to them, um, victims and their and the families, is that this kind of a, an event has this ripple effect where every single person who knows the victim is traumatized by this event and react completely differently. Um, we haven't shown the clips, but her bro- she has an older brother who is away at college mm-hmm. who comes back. Um, and to discover that this happened to his little sister when he was away, and his feelings of guilt and responsibility for having been away and not around, and also no one told him, so he's angry, you know, because she didn't want anyone telling him. I mean, the the devastating effect uh, it has on the entire family um, is is what I tried to capture from different perspectives, um, and um, and you know, the film does end in a very kind of hopeful and optimistic way and and this re- relationship between Clive's character and and Leanna's character the father daughter is is on the way to repair and mm-hmm. and and restoration um but the reality is there's no easy answers this is going to be something that these people live with for the rest of their lives when i talk to fathers today who had this happen to them you know 5 10 years ago they can't they still just burst into tears i mean they it's something that they just carry with them for life yeah i think so. annie says something like i'm i'm things are never going to be the same again something yep. like that um and again not to make this into like a infomercial but i mean what if someone if someone were listening or in the audience and wants more information on these kinds of issues whether it's a kid or parents are dealing with these kinds of things are there resources they can go to to find so or many organizations resources. yeah the they? great thing is there's so many resources and organizations uh, even online to to go to and i again i really want to inspire more of a conversation about parenting in the age of technology um but um they're great great places to go to and forums um but very few forums i think for public discourse um even like this to that's why i'm doing a lot of q a's um Mm -hmm. in this city in chicago la um because parents are dying to talk more about about how to do this uh, how to how to talk to their kids about who they're who they're talking to online and you know a lot of the experts say to parents if you do you know every friend your 14-year-old is talking to on Facebook? If you personally do not know or haven't talked to them about every friend they're talking to, that's your job. You wouldn't let you know, your daughter, let's say Sally, go to a sleepover at someone's house that you don't know the parents, you, don't know, you haven't met the daughter. So the idea is just for parents to be more uh, connected to and informed and present. Which you know? is increasingly hard. Um, Okay, so let's. Um, I want to take some questions from the audience in the uh, time that we have remaining. So we, we have a microphone. If you raise your hand, there's a gentleman with a baseball cap in about the fourth row. We'll get you a microphone over to your left there. 
and you can ask your question. Hi. Hi, David. I noticed you were in uh, Madagascar wh- and, and in the sequel. What were Ben Stiller and Zachary Gorin like when, when you saw... What were Ben Stiller and Zachary Gorin like when you in the movie? Uh, yeah, uh, the question so is about... Madagascar. Uh, we're jumping now to Madagascar. We're switching um, gears. Uh, um, also socially relevant. Um, but... Um, no, they, they were great. I mean, the truth is that we never work together. We record those characters on our own, um, so we're never in the same room when we're, when we're doing that. But they're all lovely actors. They're what do lovely you think people. they might have been like to work together? <laughs> no, they were great. They were great. Cool film. Okay, so we're going to go all the way. Oh, Brian, yeah. Hi, we'll go right here. Hi, David. I'm just wondering, uh, when you were going through the editing process with this movie, yeah. how difficult was it for you to edit scenes or uh, change dialogue and still preserve the integrity of the message you were trying to convey here? Yeah, editing, uh, editing was really tough. It was very long, and I had to cut, um, cut a lot out, um, a lot of information that I felt was too excessive because I, I didn't want it to be like, um, an, you know, I didn't want to proselytize. I wanted it to be like a good, entertaining drama. Um, and um, there were probably f- a good, solid, big five or six scenes that were cut. And in addition to that, um, I scaled back um, things like uh, when when Annie first meets this sixteen-year-old uh, boy. You know, we actually I actually sh- cast an actor to play him, and we used to cut to his bedroom. Mm-hmm. So her imagined. Uh, version of the guy because he had sent her some photos of what he looked like so I I cut and we saw him with his, interacting with his mom so we were in her head I eventually cut all those scenes because we just we didn't need it um, uh, editing was tough and the last the last scene of the film which hopefully you'll go see um, I, I reshot that whole last scene um, because the style in which I had first shot it I, I realized in editing didn't work so I uh, it was a big, you know, there were crane shots. It was kind of a lot of, a lot, a lot of angles and tracks, and and I used a lot of bells and whistles. But realized the best, most simplest way to do it is like a little small home, a uh, handheld uh, video camera. Made it more intimate. So um, that's the last scene that you'll hopefully yeah. see. Um, l- one more question about editing, because I know it's relevant to those probably in the audience again who are filmmakers, those listening. Um, you've done this a couple times now as a, as a as a director, as a filmmaker. Um, everyone has access to editing tools now. Uh, what are some tips you might give younger filmmakers who are who are putting their work together? And you always want to include everything, um, but editing requires you to, to challenges you to sort of make, like you just said, very tough decisions. H- how do you sort of get your head into that space once you've sort of shot something to put it aside and sort of put a different, you know, sort of head on to try to do that? You know, it's really, it's really that's one of the toughest things about the process, especially um, I like to, I, I'm, I'm in the editing room every day, 10 to 12 hours a day, so you lose a certain objectivity and perspective, so you have to count on your editor, and then peers, you know, you have really intelligent friends you trust to take a look at what you've done and tell you, you know what, you don't need that scene. And you're like, what are you talking about? That scene is so important. Without that, the movie, blah, 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 blah. And then you just try it without, and then you're like, huh. All right, yeah, you know what? We could probably lose that scene. Um, and, and that's the most important thing is, is that I'm still learning is cut, cut, cut. You know, less is more, always. Less is more. And try cutting a scene and see if the movie will survive without it, I think. Okay, so let's go over here to the first row. Hi. 
Hi. Hi. Um, I just want to know, what, what is your intended impact that you want the audience to respond to? Do you want them to wake up and realise how important this issue is or do you want it to be an issue that people who are going through this or have gone through this can, you know, go forward and actually speak out to others that this is actually happening to other people? Well, I think um, I have a few hopes. Uh, the first is that people are just blown away by these incredible performances of some of the best actors working in film today. Uh, they're really stunning, including Leanna. Um, and the second thing, I, as I said, I really just want to inspire more uh, conversation between parents and their kids. Um, I think parents have to be more active. We're beyond the time when parents can kind of be like, oh, okay, yeah, you do your thing with the technica. I don't know how to do the whole I am thing. And it's, it's no longer, that's no longer acceptable. You must be involved. And you, you go to your kids to be your tech support. Have them teach you how, how to do things. You know, that's really what uh, I, I hope for the film. Uh, next question in the middle. Right over here. Hey, David, it's Dante. How you doing? Um, so, quick question. This is a true story, right? This yeah. place. How was the parents feel about seeing this after you shot it? Like, I know you had a screening. It was rough for them, um, especially the father, uh, who still has, you know, is still um, in therapy for what he, he went through. Um, but they saw it two weeks ago in Los Angeles, and and uh, and they were very uh, they were very moved and very they were very happy actually that grateful that their story is being told that this his perspective is being told because it's rarely it's rare that you get to see if kind of the father's point of view so we have a question here in the center yes um, because you've been so involved with this subject did you find the movie emotionally difficult to direct there were a couple of scenes that were really tough yeah um yeah um there were some there were some moments that were incredibly challenging, especially when I saw what my my actors were going through. Um, they made me, you know, um, just watching uh, them go through it was almost uh, reliving, you know, or watching, you know, it, it it's hard to describe. Um, but you know, watching Leanna in the motel room scene, uh, and and then seeing it every day, editing that scene every day, it. it it can be really emotional and brutal, um, but but I think that helps. You know, I think it helps um, bring the scene. Uh, may, I guess make the scene better in some way. So, the uh, the peace sign I'm seeing to the side of the stage I think tells me we have two more. So uh, we'll go here and then we'll do one more on this side. Is that okay? Hi, so. David, over here. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, you've been doing a lot of directing lately, and I was wondering. Are you, do you plan on get, uh, getting back into acting soon? And would you consider doing a project with Jennifer Aniston since you've, been, you've worked so well <laughs> together in the past? Um, I'm, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, wow, thanks. Uh, um, first of all, I love acting. Um, uh, I definitely want to be doing more of it in the future. The reality, um, the reality is that because making a movie takes so much time, this one was two and a half to three years, uh, the one before it, Run Fat Boy Run, was two and a half years. Mm. Um, that uh, I, I couldn't do it while I was on the TV show. So as soon as the show ended, I, I thought, right, I really want to focus on trying to trying to learn as much as I could as a director. Um, and that's kind of taken up the last six years in a way. 
Um, I've done some theater in between. I've done some little bits, and I'm doing a, a small part in a movie in October. But uh, I would, you know, I would, uh, I would love to do more acting. I love both equally. Just, I, I joke because Clive and Catherine were on the movie, and Leanna were on was were on this movie for five weeks, and I've been on it for two and a half years. So if that gives you any indication, you know, it's uh, it's a very different animal. I meant to ask you, and, and, and because I didn't ask you this, I was thinking about it earlier. Um, just so folks in the, under, in the audience can understand, they know you from your, from your, uh, from your acting work. What was it about um, your acting career that inspired you to become a filmmaker? Was there a, was there a moment? Was there, were there certain people that, uh, either directors you worked with or other... What no, was it that... Did you, or did you always have that sort of as a... Uh, I always wanted to be doing this since the age of 13. Um, I was directing in high school. I was directing when I was at Northwestern University. I was directing a lot of theater. Um, I'm with a theater company in Chicago that I've been directing with for 23 years. And I, I didn't know how to direct film, but I, I was starting to self-teach. And then I would follow and study every, every director on every set I was on, either TV or film, and um, started to take it you know, take little baby steps by directing a bunch of episodes of Friends and then other TV pilots and then eventually film. Uh, but it's always something I've wanted to do and I've been really blessed that I've been able to do it. So, Do you get that question a lot about people wanting you to work with your past uh, cast members or past actors? No, it's the first, uh, I mean, that's <laughs> the first one in person, in person. But uh, I think, I mean, those guys are all great. And I don't know if you've seen uh, Joey... Uh, I mean, LeBlanc's new show, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, he kind of plays a version of, of Joey, but uh, called Episodes. I think he's fantastic on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely open to working with all those guys. They're great. So, great actors. All right. You have the last question. Um, so that leads me to my question. Uh, my name is Diana. I'm an artist. And Hi. I wanted to um, ask you, how do you stay in the present? How do you focus your energy on the now. Hmm. Like, because you said... You I'm very s- focused on you right now. It's a very now <laughs> moment, so let's but think about this. You said, you said, you know, you have to remember to stay in the present when you were talking. And, yeah. you know, for many people that want to become who they are, um, the, f- the importance of staying focused on who you are. Right. I mean, a lot of people want to be you, but that's Im- impossible, right. I guess. So, you know, how do you stay focused on that gift that you have, the present, the, and, the now? And are you saying because people spend so much time aspiring to become something that it's easy to forget sort of where forget you are? who you are. I mean, where did you find, how did you find who you are and how to inspire other people to become themselves instead of trying to become you? I think I understand your question. Um, yeah, I think it's a... First of all, I would say that I, I was blessed in that I, I, I was raised in a very uh, um, positive environment as a child. So my parents were very encouraging to whatever I was pursuing. And that helped me build my own self-confidence and trust. I learned to trust my instincts. And I think that helps you become a, a pretty good artist because... You know, the best thing you could do as an artist, as I'm sure you know, being an artist, is you have a unique, no one else is you. So you have a unique thing to say or to express and trust that and work on that. Don't try to be someone else or copy someone else. 
I think the key is to try to learn from the best that, of artists that you love and admire. Like I grew up watching every kind of film possible and I'm a huge fan of film and other directors. But I, I don't want to copy them. I want to then take what I've learned from them and, and kind of see how I feel about it or how I would interpret that depending on what I want to say. So um, I think the trick is, or the hope is that everyone has the kind of uh, environment that they're raised in or or uh, can put them, get themselves in if they weren't raised that way, find the right kind of atmosphere where you can lear really learn to trust your own instincts and, and grow that way. Well, the film is called Trust, and I want to thank David and Liana for spending a little time with us here at the Apple Store in Soho, and thank the audience for joining us today. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks very Thanks, much. Thanks, guys.